Hey friends, boy, we're glad you're with us because today we have a real treat of a show for you. We're going to be talking with emerging singer and songwriter Jenna. Now this conversation took place a few weeks ago when some of you were even with us or you remember us talking about a time when we had friends out to uh, hear and to perform music and poetry and it was a real great time and we really enjoyed our our time with Jenna and learning about some things that she had to offer not just musically but you know just talking about life and and spirituality and and really the the topic of today's show finding one's voice we're going to talk about Jenna finding a, a voice literally in recording music and in performing music, but this also serves as an illustration, a lesson um, for us to kind of draw from as we think about finding our own voices in life. In the middle of today's show, you're gonna have a real treat because we are going to be listening to Jenna's track, Trigger. It's a great song, actually made me cry when I heard it the first time. Come along for the ride, friends. We're glad you're with us. Let's go. So on Friday, after a long week of a little bit of stress for us, Stacy, and a little bit of anxiety about like is our youngest coming home after college, yeah, yeah. you know, like, like there's all these emotions going on and it's, you know, work and we're, we're trying to figure stuff out. And what we really needed was a little bit of healing, healthy medicine, you know, and after all of that, and I'm stressing out, I'm trying to get ready. I'm trying to figure out if I can find a way to configure the room here um, so that everybody can fit and be comfortable. And then I just finally sit down and then Jenna floods our actual home, the place that needs healing with healing sounds and this beauty. Thank you, thank you so much for doing that. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your medicine. What we wanna figure out is how did you get to a place where you, that's what you were bringing? Hmm. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's, it's been such a joy meeting both of you and getting to know you better. Um, and getting to be in Portland and mm -hmm. experiencing like this part of the States for the first time. Um, oh, this is your first time. In yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been really cool just being here and um, getting to share my music, especially. Um, yeah. That music has definitely been a journey for me. Um, I started performing about 10 years ago. And before that, I was just writing songs for myself for about five years. Um, it took, it took kind of like a combination of things. It was like me, like entering adulthood and going through my first heartbreak. And, um, I, it sort of shifted my whole perspective and I, I thought like I should just do things that make me happy and I'd been writing these songs just for me but it didn't feel right to only keep it to myself like I wanted to be heard I wanted to share my story and so I went to an open mic and played a song and the response was just like you know it was just a few people in the room but everyone was so supportive mm. um, I feel really lucky that like my my first experience was like people being supportive and like enjoying the music because that encouraged me to then continue with it and um it just put in perspective that music can be healing not just for me but for other people mm -hmm. um and it motivated me to keep doing it so fast forward and we're here i love in portland the the culture of the open mic here at least and maybe I just never really was able to find the right ones elsewhere in other places we've lived. We've, I don't know if you know this, I think we've lived in 16, 17 yeah, places. I don't know a lot. I know we've moved. Kentucky, Philadelphia, wherever. Times. And they all have a different 
kind of expectation of what, what it is. And I think growing up in Southern California during the high school years, um, with our, our trying to get our band to get noticed or something um, in the 90s, open mic was, it was just like, it was for us, it was just the rookie leagues. And it was kind of unfulfilling and unsatisfying because everybody's not paying attention to each other because mm. you're, you're worried about their own you're thing. You're going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And when I've, when I've noticed in, maybe it's just the timeline, but the, the kind of the culture of a good open mic that I think is really important for people to, to get in touch with if they're in the similar boat mm-hmm. is that it's not even just that you're trying to workshop something for later, but it's that I'm, it's a mutual gift giving. So you're bringing something to me like a potluck of, of, like um, of joy of like it, it's your art so everyone's bringing their art and yes maybe we want to hone this so that we can you know put it in a bigger platform or something but that experience if you're listening friends and that's something you're nervous about doing listen to what Jenna's saying like that could be even if that's all you did you wrote these songs why not share them like that's a gift mm-hmm. that I want yeah, and- yeah. One thing is uh, with my experience at the open mics here in Portland that we've been to is just definitely like um, it's like anything goes really um, mm. as long as you know you're not harming other people or that kind of stuff. But yeah. the amount of support that people give for anybody that is whether you want to just tell a story, whether you want you know no matter what it is that you want to do and share with everybody, um, I was. I got to the point where I even went and read a couple of the chapters that we, um, from our Tao Te Ching, that mm. our translation or our playful rendition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like, I don't know, it's for me getting up in front of a crowd, you know, is like super scary. I mean, you know, podcasting here is a little different cause I'm sitting here in my living room. Right. And there's mm-hmm. not this whole audience, but, um, I have, often like well and I still do struggle with trying to have you know feel the confidence to share you know with my and use my own voice yeah and I really um when we were talking the other day I heard a little bit of you were sharing how you went through this whole process of finding your voice and would you share a little bit about your experience like you had a a a voice coach that Mm -hmm. was into wholeness right a whole whole what's a holistic voice coach yes yes i've never heard of that but now i'm (laughs) I'm very intrigued yeah um so essentially like a combination of uh life coaching and like vocal technique um because so much of like our our ability just to speak and to sing is connected to um how we feel about ourselves and the sort of trust that we have um, with ourselves, with our voice, um, and the freedom that we, we, um, feel to express. Um, yeah, funny story. Uh, the reason I started working with that voice coach, um, almost about a year ago now, uh, I've been working with her. Uh, Micah recommended her Mm. to me. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And he, he just knew her kind of like loosely, um, and he was like, yeah, like she's a little pricey, but, you know, people have gone to her. People have worked with her. And for me, where I was in life, um, I'd just gone through another major breakup. Seems to be a theme in my life. <laughs> um, so I was trying to figure my life out again. And um, music has always been there mm-hmm. um, through everything. And it's, it's always what I come back to. And I feel like when I go through like these major shifts, it's really like life is just redirecting me back to music. Um, and I end up just kind of leaning even more into it. And so for me, I was like, yeah, okay. You know, the price point is definitely higher, but I'm willing to budget for this if it means taking my craft more seriously Mm. and really like overcoming Um, these challenges that I had with my voice, which were tied to, um, you know, a traumatic childhood and um, basically like dealing with things like neglect, psychological, verbal, um, sometimes physical abuse in my household and um, an environment that was not, uh, 
it was not necessarily accepting. I grew up in like population 1200 town, middle of nowhere in Michigan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Majority white. And so it was like, no matter what, I would stand out, but it wasn't a good thing. Mm. And so I, I kind of, it was like a combination of the environment and then also like how I was, you know, interpreting it. But um, just got used to like boxing myself in. Like there were years through um, middle school, for instance, where I would go entire days and not talk to anyone. Like I was living in my head for a long time. Um, So then coming out of that, you know, getting the courage to start to share my songs, which were like my therapy through those times. Um, it, yeah, it, it was always the case that I was, I felt like since I'm performing, I have to be perfect Mm. and I have to control my voice. And I got really good at, you know, sort of imitating some of my favorite artists like Adele and Fiona Apple and Jeff Buckley. Um, but there were limitations to that. You know, there was like a range that like I, I couldn't trust my voice to always go to. And so um, the voice coach I started working with, her name is Bova. Um, she introduced me to um, a lot of like spiritual practices as well, such as um, muscle testing. Our bodies are intelligent and um if you think about like the fact that like we don't we don't have to think about breathing we don't have to think about pumping blood through our bodies like it has its own intelligence beyond our sub our conscious mind um and uh our bodies are like more connected to the truth mm-hmm. of things and what we can do is um, like a form of muscle testing is if you're standing and um, you state something that is true, um, your body will lean forward on its own. It's like, um, I think of it as like a barometer for truth. And so if it's true, you'll lean forward. If it's false, you'll lean back. And it's like this way of investigating um things that like your conscious mind couldn't know. Mm. Um, there's a book called power versus force that like introduces this. And like, it's actually a whole series. Um, we will link to this on perfectionaudio.org, <laughs> yeah. but I am going to go get that immediately because that sounds that's fascinating. That makes tons yeah. of sense. I've never heard of that though. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And just like over decades, they, they tested with like millions of people, things, things is, um, as simple as like, you know, if they have an envelope of um, like organic sugar is inside versus like some sort of, you know, alternative sweetener, the body will lean forward for the organic <laughs> thing oh, and it crazy. will like retract, like move back for the thing that's not. So um, how does that relate to, to <clears throat> singing? Yeah. So when it comes to singing, I... I'm able to ask myself, um, so basically like investigate, okay, is this, am I dealing with like a trapped emotion? Mm. And then I can find like, where is that emotion trapped in my body? And, um, sometimes those emotions are, you know, things that like I can ask, okay, how long has this been in my body? Um, Like, why why is this uh, here? Like, what am I supposed to learn? Am I supposed to learn this or that from this emotion, you know, in order to be able to release it? Um, Did this emotion, is it mine? Or did it come from my mother? Did it come Mm. from her mother? How many generations? Mm. And so you can ask questions like that to really understand you know, what is my body holding on to that's becoming a blocker for me to like freely express myself? Wow. Yeah. And so do you, so as you're singing, then I'm assuming that if all of a sudden you take inventory 
of what your body's doing, mm-hmm. right? And whether you're leaning forward or leaning back. Um, so if you were leaning back, then what's the process with that? What? Yeah, what do you do with that information? <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah, so... If I'm if I'm singing and I find myself like wanting to lean back, I know that I'm being influenced by fear mm. or by like some sort of you know lack of trust in myself. And so what I can do from that is find a way to center myself, to ground myself. Um, you know, the body is going to lean forward for the things that are true. So if you think to yourself, abundant love. Or, you know, justice, like, trust, faith, like, those are the words that, like, raise our vibration. And that's that's really kind of what it is. It's like when you're in a high vibration, you want to, like, your body will lean forward when it's true. You know, because um, another thing that book gets into is um, <laughs> I kind of think of it as, like, um, he, he tries to explore like the science of consciousness and like there's different um, like frequencies and vibrations. Like there's a whole map of uh, consciousness that he created. Um, and so like certain emotions, like the, the lowest emotion I believe is shame. Hmm. You know, when you're, when you're in that place, like you, you can't even, um, you, you are, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain, um, an emotion like shame, it keeps you trapped, right? Mm -hmm. It keeps you powerless. And that's where the idea of like power versus force comes from because, um, things like love empower things like hatred or pride, they're disempowering. You know, you're trying to force an outcome when you lean into those sort of um, emotions. And like everything is, you know, like you can use the muscle testing to sort of um, figure out the scale of where things are at and it's going to be complex and different for different um, areas. Um, The point of changing of like, that like switch from like disempowered to like empowering is um, at courage. So like the emotion, the feeling mm-hmm. of courage, um, which I think of because um, it, you know, it is on a scale. I sort of think of courage as um, aligning with like the heart chakra area personally, um, which if you are, you know, familiar with the chakras, the heart chakra is like the connecting point between the lower and the higher chakras. It really is like the center. Yeah. That makes sense with courage. Yeah. Because you there's maybe a principle involved and you're drawing upon your actual physical energy to to do something about this. Yeah, I never yeah. that that makes sense. I think that and and when you're talking about this, um, you didn't grow up with that kind of framework for spirituality. No. What was your what was your experience with religion as a kid in that not so perfect household? Yeah. Um so up until about the age of 8, we didn't really have a religion. Um my my mom uh she was a single parent and um my grandparents unfortunately were part of this church that was like very controlling um and because my mom was like young had kids out of wedlock who also happened to be black Mm. you know um in a white family uh there were like underlying prejudices and like things that contributed to my grandparents just not like they they thought it was tough love they're just gonna cut Mm. her off you know she's 23 with two babies and um no support. And, uh, yeah, so we didn't really grow up with a church. It was, it was kind of interesting because, um, there was a family that agreed to help my mom, um, around the time she got out of 
the relationship with my dad, which was abusive and um, just not, you know, she she knew if we grew up with him, we would be pretty bad off. Um, growing up without a father also is like not ideal, but in this case, it was better. A lot of courage, right? Right. <laughs> that's amazing, you know, to have the strength and to know to protect your babies, you know, and do what you need to, even though. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. Big props to my mom because she she just found a way. Um, so I was about two when that happened and there was a family that was through the church, um, or like a different church or some, some sort of thing that, uh, agreed to help my mom if she got rid of all of her belongings, like all of her autonomy, basically get rid of the apartment, get rid of the car. And so she was completely reliant on these people. Um, but it was, it was her only like safe house from this relationship where she was literally being beaten. Now, is this in Um, Flint? Flint? This, um, this was, I think she was living in Flint and then, um, she, I don't know, like where that family was based. Um, but they did help my mom for a while. And then eventually she was able to get away from, from that because, you know, it it was taking away her autonomy. Um, and then, um, it was interesting because around that time, like my grandparents kind of came back into the picture, like, oh, like she's no longer in this relationship. My grandma also, like it never sat right with her, um, emotionally to be separated from us. Um, so then I sort of grew up you know, every weekend we were at the grandparents every morning, I wake up, grandma's cooking in the kitchen, Mm. got breakfast ready for us. Um, but my grandma was battling cancer. Mm. And so when I was seven years old, she passed away. Um, and that was kind of like that just shook our whole world. Um, my mom was only 30 at the time Mm. and, uh, yeah, you know, two babies. Um, she, my mom is also like the baby of the family and, uh, she really, you know, was relying on like that, that support and that, like, um, that nurturing, like from her mom. And, um, it just shook our whole world for my brother and I, you know, growing up with a family that had like prejudices, like that was our, our safe space as well, Mm -hmm. being with our grandparents, especially like our grandmother. Um, and after that, uh, for whatever reason, my mom decided that she should start going to the church that my grandparents went to, which was a different church from, or like there had been like some, some shifts and things and it wasn't like as, um, in law as they like, they like to, uh, proclaim it was um as before like when we were just like little babies um so yeah from eight years old onward um until like I was 18 for about 10 years I was in this church that was non-denominational and um not like in law they like you know uh tried to separate themselves from you know, churches that were like super demanding X, Y, and Z, but they would only read the King James Version Bible. One of them. And uh, you had to live without sin. Oh. So even a, even a white lie was sin. You know, this is the message that they're preaching. I'm eight years old. <laughs> um, no mistakes. <laughs> and I was exactly. Yeah. And I'm already, you know, in an environment where like there's this pressure, like for some reason, which, you know, is the color of my skin. I don't fit in. I'm like, there's something wrong with me. Why don't I have a dad? Like it, all these things, all these questions. And then there's this pressure also like, well, you, you can't lie. You can't cuss. You can't, you know, like you just can't express yourself. Um, and, you know, I, I see like, for instance, when my grandma died, I didn't cry at the funeral everyone around me was crying. I was handing my mom tissues. It was like kind of from that point on, our dynamic became 
how can I make things better for my mom? Yeah. Because she's my provider. Yeah. And um, my brother, on the on the opposite hand, um, he just lashed out. He was full expression. He was full like I'm gonna run from the school. I'm, you know, going to cause problems. Everybody hates me anyway, so I'm just going to be that. And um, so then my my example of, like, what it meant to, like, express yourself was, oh, like, you're just causing trouble, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. You're just creating more problems and um, taking up space that you shouldn't be taking up. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of, like... It was like we were polar opposites in that way. He was so out there. I was so inward. And um, I always felt inside like I, you know, I wanted to make the world better. I was the peacemaker. Um, and I, it took time for me to realize that that was not like my obligation. Mm. Right. Um, but it also, you know took time for me to understand that it's okay for me to take up space and to share my perspective. Um, and it was because of that experience with church also that like, I realized when I was 18, when I was in my first relationship and, um, you know, exploring sexuality and stuff like that, like there was so much shame and like guilt Mm -hmm. that I felt for, being that for expressing myself that I was like, okay, this is not aligned. And I just stopped going to the church. Um, and for a while was like very kind of separated from, um, religion and spirituality. Like I became agnostic and, um, I never, I never didn't believe that there was like something more to just like our, you know, 3d world. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until more recently when I started exploring like these trapped emotions, these traumas, like a few years ago, I like went into therapy and, you know, in my like mid twenties, I was grieving my grandma for the first time. Mm. Like it took like 20 years. Um, there wasn't space at the time in your mind, right? For that. You were there for your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so like things like that just brought me closer to like this um, spirituality that I have now. That reminds me in many ways, like obviously different stories and encounters, but Sydney and me have, when we grew up, had a similar kind of thing where you, you get into this idea of juggling all of the people that have so many issues to deal with in their lives that you, there's just no space for your own, but that kind of backs up. And Mm so I really am interested in, um, having uh, you explain a little bit more about how you were able to really let that um, kind of come out through other other aspects of the way you engage spirituality in life. But uh, before we take a break, would you mind sharing with us one of your tracks and just kind of set it up for us? What are we going to hear? Yeah. Um, so this is a, a song that I'm working on. Um, still kind of in the the early stages, but... Uh, it's called Trigger (laughs) and it's talking about, um, basically that, like, uh, getting triggered by something and having a reaction and not being able to stop it. And the, um, the complexity of, of that, of like your rational mind knows one thing, but your emotions are there and they need to be expressed and um, how that creates problems um, and at the same time being accountable to it. What if they see through the Thank you. 
not only do you honor the um, the fact that this is a phenomenon, this this what, what's triggering. Mm-hmm. For what I want, say for my kids as the students, yes, you recognize this, and then now you you can, you've got to say if you want to if you want to grow through that. Now, what do I do with it? Mm-hmm. And so, what tools have you found that have helped you to process this and make something out of it? Yeah. Um, well, like I mentioned, I was in therapy for a couple years and that was when I really started to like dive into, um, those subjects of like the impact of not having a dad and, um, grieving my grandma. Um, and I was also in a relationship, um, that was, mirroring a lot of these um emotions Mm -hmm. and and things like these qualities in myself that didn't feel you know aligned with me like things like jealousy or like like paranoid thoughts like I had so much fear of like being abandoned neglected Mm. betrayed and you know, it, it was it was like something that I had seen in like previous relationships, but this time, like I felt like I, I should have had enough awareness where it wasn't constantly there, but it was, and it it was because like these emotions were were um, kind of trapped in my body, and um, yeah, when I as I was going through therapy, like talking about things was great. And like, I was on, um, a medication for a little bit and that helped too. just having that, um, buffer between me and like the extremes of my emotions. Mm-hmm. Cause that was the other thing too, is like when you, when you love someone so deeply, um, the fear is equally as powerful. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, just like the polar, opposite and um I didn't really have a way of like keeping myself from going to that extreme of fear um so yeah medication helped for a little bit but I I was having some like some weird side effects of um like my hands started trembling and Mm. it just yeah um and even like initially there was um uh a medication to help me sleep in addition to the anxiety meds. Um, and that was affecting my cognition. Like my memory wasn't as clear. I remember I was driving, um, just to like a place that was five minutes away and I could not do it without something like Google maps. Cause mm-hmm. I just couldn't remember mm-hmm. where I was. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's stop that. Um, but then also like my, my hands like trembling, like I couldn't, I couldn't write. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is, this should not be affecting my body this way. There has to be other ways. Um, and yeah, so through my work with Bova, like I mentioned, um, I got more, um, I got deeper into my spirituality going through the breakup and like being like really having to be alone and like introspect like you know we all experienced that with covid but i felt like i was experiencing it again because at the same time um as like like i had like these deep emotions i was also very codependent in that relationship and um i was used to like putting other people's emotions before my own and um i i didn't really like i wasn't feeding my, my spirit, I wasn't, you know, feeding my art. I wasn't, um, deepening my friendships and relationships. And so when that ended, you know, I really fought for it too. Um, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm alone again. You figure out who you are, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, why do I have these, these, um, feelings? And, um, sort of randomly in one of our sessions, um, Bova had introduced me to the muscle testing, uh, and she wanted to test for, um, any like psychic abilities that I had. Um, so things, 
like clairaudience, clairempathy, clairsentience, clairvoyance. Um, and I think there's at least like one or two others. I can't remember. <laughs> but I have three of the ones I just named. So I am clairaudient, which is the ability to hear. Um, so it's weird. It's not, it's not like hearing like a, a voice outside of you. It's, it's like, it'll come in the form of like a thought or, um, like sometimes it, it feels like, um, like you're just like catching bits of like a phrase. Um, like it just comes in and out. Um, and that has been interesting um, cause I didn't realize that I had that ability. And then like, I'd, you know, I had experienced it before, but I, I didn't realize it was like actually like a, a, like once you become aware that you have these, um, abilities, you can, um, start to kind of train them and, um, practice with them. So the other ones I have are clairsentience, which is, the ability to sense, um, like spirits, uh, like the presence of like certain energies. Um, and I feel like I've kind of like, it's definitely something that I've known, like, okay, I step into this room and something's off. Mm. I actually experienced that, um, during our tour, um, there was a space that we walked into and immediately I just felt this weight on my shoulders mm. and I couldn't place it. I, I didn't know why, like I was walking into this room and like everything around me was like, you know, so like nice, but, um, I just felt this heaviness and I couldn't really like be in that space. And I found out later that children had been molested in that space that was like the history of it. Mm. I had no idea. Um, but you felt it. Mm-hmm. I felt it. Mm. And it's it was like an icky, like something's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something's wrong here and I don't know why. Um, so it, it comes through in that. It comes through in like um, meeting people. Um, I can sort of pick up on when people don't have the best of intentions. Mm. Um and uh that's that's always interesting too um so still something that i'm developing uh but um the other ability that i have is clear empathy which i've always kind of known i feel like most people you know this is like an easy one to recognize um but it's the ability to sense other people's emotions so especially if you've you know, been through trauma, neglect, like, you know, a child going through that is going to have more sensitivity to the emotions of the people around them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like that's really where that one came from for me. Um, the interesting thing is as you start to like develop certain abilities, like anybody can have these different abilities. It's not, you know, limited to a select few, um, it's available to everyone, but, um, it just takes like a deep practice. Um, and like I said, I'm still (laughs) like, I've only discovered this in like the past few months, honestly. Mm. Um, but the more I like check in and ground myself and get in touch, um, this, I guess, the more I can like recognize those things. Yeah. Yeah. Teaching your body to, to listen, right? Yes, exactly. I have a question about the, uh, the empathy part. Sometimes um, it's hyperactive and problematic for me at least. Mm. Or um, where I am so worried because this was the way for me to say, all right, if there's addiction in my family, is everybody cool? Because if, mm. if people aren't cool, this could be the next three days of my life of, of chaos. Mm. So I'm always checking in on people and sometimes it's for me hyperactive. Maybe I am responding to something that is a problem. I would say like with Sydney, sometimes she'll say that we are like, we are having like a negative vibe Mm -hmm. about something, but it might be really small, like 
the game's not going to be on because it's been rain delayed. We're not really super into sports, but it could be something that's smaller, but she'll pick up on it mm. when she comes home from work. And but it might, but it not be as big of a deal as it could be. And sometimes for me, this adds to my anxiety because I'm always worried. Are the other teachers mad at me? Is you know somebody who's mad at me? You know, and like mm. the whole world's mad at me. You know, how do you? How do you find yourself being able to listen, like feel that, hear that, empathize with that, whatever these things are, without letting it get so loud that you can't control the volume? Mm. Is that something you've worked on? Uh, that is definitely something that I'm working on um, because, you know, the other component is like, as you become aware of these things, you're, you're, like I said, I, I'm in a room and I'm feeling this heaviness and like, yeah, what do I do with that? Um, I mean, my instinct is like, I need to smudge this place. Yeah, I need to, yeah, you know, cleanse it. Yeah. yeah, it needs to be cleansed for sure. But I, I'm not, um, you know, in a position to do that. So I, I just kind of like have to remove myself um, or if I'm like staying in that space for a certain amount of time, um, there are ways that, um, I've learned to ground myself. And so like, you know, connecting to your breath, taking like a few deep breaths and then visualizing, um, like this is a grounding thing that you can do. Just visualizing like a, a bubble mm. around yourself, all, all angles you know, it's, it's like, um, like just like a thin film made of like whatever, you know, material, um, but as a way of sort of protecting yeah. your energy. Um, cause definitely it is, it's like, once you're aware of it, then like, you know, like, oh crap, like this is draining me Yeah. or like, this is weighing on me. Like, I don't want to feel oppressed by this and and then if you're supposed to perform right you want to be in a different (laughs) headspace I was I was in a yoga class one time and the teacher had done that with the the bubble Mm. and like had us visualize and it was around the holidays and and I, I realize now like um how intentional that was because you're, you know, when the holidays, you're gonna see family members and things that sometimes will bring up you know traumas or or you know, yeah. or you won't see them, <laughs> or, and they're not yeah, coming out for whatever. some reason. There's all sorts of. You and know. she talked about, um, yeah, that just forming that bubble, and I've used that in my own life from time mm-hmm. to time of, you know, visualizing the the bubble and um, being able to then sort of move forward um, from there. And thank you for yeah, that's awesome. I didn't really think of it the way though that you were explaining it, and so that's very helpful. I appreciate that. And even yeah. then, though, do you ever encounter uncomfortable, like malevolent voices, spirit presence? Yes. Like, what do you do about that kind of thing? You know, it's not okay. just a bad vibe, but there's yeah. like some kind of almost feels like a presence. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> that is uh, that is the thing. Um, so as you're doing this work of healing yourself, right? It means that you can heal other people. It means that you can like you know, send good energy to others and like really like start doing this work of like lifting up the people around you. And, um, there are entities that are, don't want to do that. They, they want to bring people down. There are, you know, folks that have not, um, like spirits that haven't crossed over or maybe they're like attached to the land or something is like keeping them trapped and they're just looking for a space to occupy. Mm. You know, they're like, I'm a spirit and I need a body. And if you, if your energy is sort of open to that, um, it can come in. And so you get things like spirit attachments. Um, that was something, another component to the work that I was doing with Bova is, um, we would find out, Oh, well this, these voices that are making me, um, suicidal, Mm. uh, it's actually a spirit called torment that is like coming in through 
an opening that's created when I'm focusing on this particular thing. Um, it's like they, they look for those, like that pinhole in, in your aura where they can come through and they can like, you know, send all these thoughts. And, um, I think that's the other component to it is just recognizing, um, thoughts like that, like those, like those thoughts that tell you you're worthless and, you know, are like bringing, bringing you to a lower vibration, um, trapping you in like those like lower emotions, like we're talking about in the map of consciousness. Um, a lot of times those are not you, Mm. you know, and they very well could be spirits or entities. And so, um, being aware is obviously like the first thing, like recognizing, like even, even through like a non spiritual lens, like when you have thoughts like that, just realizing that's not me. Mm -hmm. And like, having that awareness means that you can choose, well, actually I'm going to think this thing or I'm going to counter it by taking this action that is going to remind me of like the power that I have because these entities also are only as powerful as you allow them to be only as open as you are to those sorts of like emotions and feelings. So Um, how would you differentiate then between like what is, from you or maybe from this another spirit or somebody else or something yeah. else? Well, I feel like, and I mean, this is, you know, my personal perspective. Um, but when you think about it, like our core, our, our actual spirit comes from source, comes from God, univer- the universe, like, and that is love. Right. Mm -hmm. So any, any thought or feeling that is not coming from that pure place, to me, that, that is not us. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. The one, the, the, the voices that are not, uh, recognize your intrinsic value, Mm. your, your holiness, your beauty, like that, that's by definition, not, not the good source. When you are doing this uh, traveling up the coast, I'm so glad you did it. It sounds fun. <laughs> sounds tiring. <laughs> you know, I'm tired thinking about it, you know, and, and we're just, you know, along for the, the, the spectation of it and stuff. Um, is, there, is there a song that you have enjoyed most playing, like that one that kind of... Um, I wouldn't say easy, you know, sometimes you get, you like the song, but Mm. you know, you might get tired of it or something, but is there something that's really emerged as a song that you have found really holds up or you have more love for it after this tour? (laughs) Hmm. I, I have a song, um, called Jumbled Jargon that, um, I wrote when I was going through like a really difficult time and, um, I, I really enjoy playing that song, um, because like, obviously I came out of that experience, but it, it allows me to, um, to like remember and to share and, um, you know, like there are other people that have felt that way, um, where they were at their lowest and it's like, you feel like you just like don't exist but like like how do you start over um and so like getting to be like especially these shows have been like really intimate and um you know everyone that's there is there for the music which is so beautiful so um getting to be my most vulnerable Mm. with people in an intimate space um I think has been something that I've really enjoyed how do our listeners stay posted? How do they follow you and track what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so I'm on, I'm on the socials. Uh, I recently changed my moniker to just go by, my, like, just my first name, Jenna. Um, and for the sake of Instagram and TikTok, I had to, like, add in an extra N. But it's uh, Jenna with three Ns dot... W-A-V, wave, like the audio file. And um, 
I also, from there, have like a list of links as far as uh, YouTube and SoundCloud. Um, so, yeah. Well, we've really enjoyed that, but definitely um, are really excited to see what comes forth in the years to come. Absolutely. Thank Thanks you. for putting up with us. And as we <laughs> were recording or doing whatever, we've got <laughs> the pets bathrooms don't work perfectly. <laughs> we've got a loud neighborhood, but it's, uh, but we're alive and it's, we're here and we're so grateful for the, like I said, you could smudge. You can, you can also have uh, Jenna come out to your place and just send <laughs> the good vibrations yes, through the, her voice. The healing vibes. And mm. that's, I mean, that, that is one thing that I reflect on as you're saying all this, that it's the, the hard part is, I would think, the intimacy of these smaller spaces in people's sometimes homes or, you know, mm. that's great. But it's also, it is very vulnerable in a way that maybe being in some kind of sterile hotel, uh, you know, uh, conference room or something. Mm. Well, they got the AV dialed in, but you can still have a little bit of distance and so forth. And then when you're singing, unlike playing an instrument this is actually air that is going through your vocal cords <laughs> and vibrating in mm. your chest and going out, even outside to our neighbors, through the speaker or whatever. But those are like real vibrations that is you. It's not just whether you play piano well or not. It's your voice. Mm. And we are so grateful that you went through what you went through and had that courage to be able to share it with us. Yes. Thank Much you. Thank you, great, Thank you for letting me share my story. Oh. Well, friends, wherever you are right now, we just wish you deep peace upon peace. Thank you.